listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. If you will, let's pray. Father, uh, God, I just pray this morning that you would break our hearts. Lord, we come in and out of this place often. But God, do we really, do we really hunger you, Lord? Do we really thirst after you, God? Lord, this morning, you know how burdened my heart is, God, for people to just to, to get it, for people to understand. Lord, each person in this room, Lord, I pray that this morning that you would minister to their hearts, God, in a powerful way. Lord, we ask you, Lord, we're preaching on the Holy Spirit. We're, God, we just, Holy Spirit, we ask you to dine and move in a mighty way. Lord God, I, only you know the hearts of men. Only you know the hearts of each person in this room, God and Father. I just pray for each heart this morning, Lord, that Lord, you would touch them, that you would minister to them that they would feel your presence, Lord, because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God, when somebody feels your presence, they do not want to leave it, God. So, Father, we pray that through the anointing of your Holy Spirit that we would feel your presence, that you would break the chains of those that are addicted to sin, that you would break the chains of those that think there's no other life but the life they have. God, you would break the chains of depression, of anxiety this morning, Lord. Pray, God, for deliverance, Lord, this morning. And God, I just ask you, Lord, to move in a powerful way in our lives, Lord. God, deliver us. Deliver so many of us in this room from just the lie of religion, realizing that it's not about just a religion, just about showing up. It's about a relationship with you, that you give us that chance. So God, move in our hearts this morning. Change our perspective. God, there's so many of us that just have been rushing this morning and we've been coming just trying to get to this service and, Lord, we forgot why we came. So, Lord, remind us that we came for you. Lord, minister to our hearts, Lord, so we leave here changed. God, there's so many people that they they leave here every Sunday with good intentions and they leave those good intentions at at the back door. And they don't take it with them in the world. And we're not making a difference in the world around us, God. Because we're living in our own power and not powered by your Holy Spirit. So God, we ask you to empower us this morning and to move through us so that we can leave here empowered by your Spirit, God. Change us, Lord. Help us be submissive to your Spirit so that we do what you say do. God, I pray for those that have been rejecting your Spirit that, God, that you would just move in such a way that it's like they're sitting on a hot plate and they can't sit still. God, move. This isn't about a show, Lord. This is about you. But God, we just pray that you would just move and change our lives. And I'm no different. God, I hunger for you. I thirst for you, Lord. I want more of you than I had yesterday. So, God, give us that holy hunger and passion to desire more to be more like you every day. 
Remind us we never will arrive until we get at your feet. So God, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you will, turn to Acts chapter 4. Or chapter 5, I'm sorry. Y'all going to have to bear with me this morning. Holy Spirit's doing some stuff in my heart, and I drank a 16-ounce Red Bull before I got up here. <laughs> Never telling what might happen. We've been preaching on the Holy Spirit. We've been preaching on, on, on what, what it looks like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And today, I want you to see the lives of two different type of people. A life of someone that is religious and the life of somebody that is living by the power of the Spirit. There's a difference. There's a difference. So many people have a dry relationship with God because they never allow the Spirit of God to influence them. If you're here this morning and you just have this dryness about you, you need to ask yourself a question. Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to move through my life? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to move in me? Am I a conduit? A lot of times we're not changing, we're not hungering after God or thirsting after God because we're, we're, we're okay with the sin we're in. I want to let you understand something. God can use a broken vessel, but he can't use a dirty one. And I'm going to say this over and over until we get it. But it's so important that we're pursuing holiness. We're pursuing God. We're trying to, God to make us into the character of his son. And the more we're pursuing God, the more we're going to change and the more we'll see the Holy Spirit do amazing things in our life. Is that me? I just want you to see these this morning. See, all through the book of Acts, there's like there's 29 to 30 miracles that happens in there. All of those miracles, 29 of the 30 miracles that happened, happened in the lives of ordinary people. We think that, that extraordinary things only happens when the pastor does things. And that's not it. If you think the pastor is the one that's supposed to be the closest to God, you are mistaken hugely. God wants to work in your life to do amazing things. God wants to work in your life to do extraordinary things at work in your family. He wants to work in your life. And you have the opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit in a huge way, but you have to submit to him. That's one thing I want you to understand this morning. It's ordinary people that change the world. Amen? It's ordinary people that are living by the Spirit that see amazing things happen. So if you're not seeing amazing things happen at work, if you're not seeing amazing things happen in your family, your question is, is am I walking in the Spirit? Am I desiring to see people change? Am I desiring to be bold? Am I desiring to be used? See, we think God's not wanting to do anything in our generation. The only problem is that's, that's the lie. He wants to do amazing things in our generation, but we don't want him to do amazing things. Because if we wanted him to do amazing things, we would submit to him. We would follow his lead and we would be bold and courageous. Amen? I'm going to pull it out of y'all this morning. And I want you to read through this. I mean, a life that is, is in submission to the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to, to discern what's right and what's wrong, what God wants us to do and what we shouldn't do. Those of us that, 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 are, that are living by the Spirit, we can feel those things. Those that are not, we're just going by our whim. We're going by what we want to do, how what we feel is right and wrong, not what God feels is right and wrong. 
So as we look into the lives of, the, of two different people, Ananias and Sapphira, and the life of Stephen, we see two different type of people. They both had the same exact opportunity to live a life on mission. They had the same opportunity, but they both had different results. Different things happened. So let's read uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 36. This happens. Our last week, we, we ended up right there in uh, Acts 31 where they, where, the Holy, where they prayed for the Holy Spirit and it shook the place, okay? And then um, the next thing that happens in verse 32 in Acts is that they were so unified, just they were, they were sharing possessions, they were doing all these things. They were, they were it was like, whatever, if I, whatever I have can benefit you, I will give it up so to see your needs taken care of. They were that, they were that just on mission for God. And then you come to this point of a man named Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. We need more Barnabas in the church, I'll tell you. He sold a field that he owned, that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostle's feet. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has filled your heart, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before you sold it? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. And, I, and when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all whom heard what had happened. And the next thing that happens is that they roll his body up in a, in a rug and they take him out and bury him. And then they call Ananias' wife in there, Sapphira. And so when Sapphira comes, they ask her. Well, you know, her and her husband, they collaborated together. She didn't know what happened to her husband. So she tells the same story. She tells the same lie. And she falls dead. Sin has consequences. And what you see here is you see two people. You see Joseph. Joseph was a Levite, Okay. Levites at that time were not supposed to own property. It was a miracle that, that, that Joseph had property because Levites were God's priests. And it was according to God's law that the priests be taken care of. So the people of Israel would take care of the priests. They didn't have to own anything. They would just take care of them. They'd bring them. They would, they would supply, supply a place for them to live. They would give them food. They would give them shelter because they were the priests. They were God's chosen priests. So somehow... Joseph ended up with, some, with, with something. He ended up with some land. He had this very prized thing. Nobody else he hardly knew had land but Joseph. He gave up that very prized thing and put it in the apostle. He sold it and gave it to God. It was a heart of true submission. He didn't value the things of this world more than he did God. He was like, here, I want to give you this. So a true heart of submission, he gave that to God. And then you see Ananias and Sapphira. They see the good deed that he done, and they wanted to cash in on the praise. You know anybody like that? Doing things out of their own motives. 
See, they were just all about religion. They weren't about truly following Christ. And I think we look at this, and a lot of times we look down our noses as Ananias and Sapphira. We look at them and we're like, man, how in the world could they have done that? They're so crazy. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked? When I read that story, were you kind of appalled at that? But I want you to realize that we have a lot of tendencies just like Ananias and Sapphira. We look down our noses at these people, but I think we have a lot of similarities that we don't want to admit we have. Here we encounter two people that are full of religion and they're not focused and centered on the gospel. They're not centered on God. Number one thing I see in this is Ananias and Sapphira, they were selfish. You know, it's safe to say that 10 out of 10 people in this room are selfish. We're all selfish to a degree. And sometimes our selfishness rules our lives. And these people were selfish. It was that when they saw somebody else getting recognition, they couldn't handle it. They, they wanted it for themselves. They, they were given out of the wrong motives. As I look at, how many people do things out of the wrong motives? I, I've, I've, I've seen so many people, uh, they want to give money to the church out of the wrong motives because, you know, they want to give money, but it's like, hey, make sure my name's on that. Y'all act like y'all don't know nobody like that. Come on. And, and people, you know, they want to do something, but they want recognition. You know, I'll go cut such and such. I'll go cut their grass. But, but you know, I, I want everybody to know that I cut their grass. Why do you do things for the Lord? Are you doing it for God or are you doing it for yourself? So many people, I'll pray for you, but then you want to tell everybody in your prayer group that you've been praying for so-and-so and their problems. Are you praying for them because you won't really want to pray for them? Or are you doing it because you want everybody to think you're super spiritual? See, they were selfish. They, they were doing things out of the wrong motives. They were consumed by their own pride. And it was to their, to their doom. We, we just preached a series of dark corners talking about what pride can do. Pride can, is, the, is almost the, the root of a lot, a lot of sin. It'll ruin you. You're too prideful to admit that you're wrong. You're too prideful to change because you're worried what people are going to think. Why are you prideful? Because you're selfish. I ain't going to get no amens today. See, they held, them, they held back for themselves. They sold this field in all intentions. They told people, I'm going to sell this field and we'll give the money to God. And instead, in giving everything to God, they held back some. And I think about a lot of our lives. We say we're going to surrender everything to God, but we hold back. How many of you in this room have been holding back? You're holding back. Why are you holding back? Because you don't want to turn loose of these things that used to define you. You don't want to turn loose these friends that are influenced you in the wrong way. You know that it's wrong. You know that they're going to make you go back down the wrong road, but yet you won't let go. You won't let go of the sin. You won't let go of the, the, the problems that you have because you're worried about what people are going to think. You're consumed with you. They were holding them back. I mean, what's, what's holding you back this morning? What's holding you back from giving God your talents? From He wants to use your talents. I want a newsflash for you. God wants to use your past. He wants to use your past. He wants to use your mistakes, but you got to step out and be bold to admit you have problems. Amen? You got to step out and say, look, he wants to use your past for you can relate to somebody that's struggling right now. But 
you got to be bold to step out and, and want the desire to do those things. God wants to use you, but a lot of us are holding back. And why do we hold back? Because we don't trust God. That's why I hold back sometimes. I think that I've got all the knowledge. I think I've got it all figured out so that I'm not going to make that step because I justify it with all kinds of reasons and excuses of why I don't do these things. But in reality, it all goes back to I don't trust God. Don't be looking at me all judging because that's the same reason you don't do it too because we don't trust God. And of a life that is led by the Holy Spirit, if we're led by the Holy Spirit, we're going to trust God because we see him doing amazing things and it's like, why not trust him? So do you need to come before God this morning and say, Lord, help me trust you, God. Give me boldness. See, they didn't trust God with all their money. So many times we put our security in our finances instead of our security being in God. We, we worry about things. We're not really focusing on those things that glorify God. We're worried more about our money and our security. And, you know, if, if, if I make this move, then I won't have this. Or if I, if I give this, I won't be able to buy this. And our identity and our security roll, is rolled up in the money we make and the things we have instead of the God we serve. And when our identity is truly in God, the things we have and the money we make are all benefits to following him. And I, I've, I've seen people that, that have totally recklessly abandoned who they once were, and it just blew people's minds. I, I want to tell you, when, when I stepped away from being, I, I, was, I was leading my survey department for a whole division. I was in charge of like 30 guys. I had finally made it to the top. I've been pursuing this for 10 years. Finally made it to the top, making more money than I'd ever made in my life. And when I stepped away, my family thought I was stupid and crazy. You're doing what to be a who? You're leaving this to become a preacher? Yep. Why? Why are you doing that? You know preachers don't make no money. You're going to starve to death, boy. I, I might, but God's got me. God's got me. God's got me. I could have not took that step in fear of me not being comfortable, but instead, I've seen God do mighty things in my life. And when you see God do things in your life, guess what? You're, you're okay to take the next step, even though you don't see that stone. A lot of times, it's right below the surface. And all you got to do is take that step, and it's right there, but we're too scared because we don't trust that God's going to have that stone there. How many of you have been holding back because you're waiting on this this bright, shining light to shine through and say, go here, instead of take the step. I don't know about you, but I hadn't had a lot of just shining light saying, Jeremy, go this way. Now, some of you would laugh at my prayer life. Sometimes I'm like, God, you know I, can't, I don't get no hint. Ask my wife. You know I don't get no hint, God. So, Lord, I want, me a, I want a neon sign pointing in the direction you want me to go. Lord, give me a neon sign. I ain't seen a neon sign yet. But what I do have is I have the Holy Spirit giving me, nudging me in a direction. And I don't know where that direction is. I don't know where that next step is. But when he tells me to step, by God, I'm going to step. Because I know he's been faithful the last time I took a step. 
And the only way you're going to depend on the Holy Spirit is you got to start stepping. Stop standing on the shore, waiting on your boat to come in. Take a step toward the boat before it gets here. God's wanting you to, to say, hey, do you trust me this morning? Do you trust me? Because if we, don't, if we don't trust God, it shows that we're selfish and we think we've got all the answers. We're looking for our own comfort. When you live a selfish life, it not only robs others, but it robs you more. It robs you of being able to see God do amazing things. I just, I, I make a, I've said this a thousand times, but sometimes I wish that when I get in the presence of God and the feeling that I feel, I wish that I could get a syringe of that and come and inject it in some of you guys. Because some of you come in here looking like Bernie every morning. You're like this. In your spirit, you're looking dead and drained. And if I could just interject you with just a little bit of that, you would feel his presence. And some of you guys will go from singing like this to praise Jesus. And the reason we're not praising him and we're not pouring our hearts out to him because we're standing there thinking, what are they going to think if I raise my hand? Lord, these people are going to think I'm one of these crazy Bible beaters if I start saying, praise you, Jesus. Let me tell you something. You ain't got to, baby steps. Just start like this. <laughs> you'll, and you'll feel the Holy Spirit, and the next thing you know, you'll be doing this. The next thing you'll be doing this. It's the little things in life, amen? See, when I look back, they were living a life as, as if the church was for them. Ananias and Sapphira, they were living it as for the church was for them. They were, they were looking at it as thinking, you know what? I'm going to give this money so that it makes me look big. It makes me look good. See, a lot of times we come to church and we think it's all about us. We get easily offended. We get ready to quit when, when things are not done the way we want to or things don't happen the way we think they should happen. Y'all ever, ever experienced anything like that? There, a lot of times when, when we're, it's all about living as the church is for me, we're quick to judge and make judgments of other people. See, it was their desire for praise that caused them to be deceitful. They wanted to see how big they could look, not how humble they could be. And the desire for recognition, I want to tell you, it's destructive. It's destructive. You desire to be recognized. You're wanting to promote yourself instead of promoting God. God says he desires a humble and contrite spirit. Humility doesn't want to take, the, he, don't, he don't want to take the, the, the light. A true servant of God wants to, wants to be heard and not seen. They, want, they don't want to be seen doing anything. They just want what they do to be the voice enough for them. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? I mean, they, 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 they truly don't care what people, what they look like to others. They just want to serve God. See, when I look at the church as being about them, it's because it was all about the show to them. It was just, they were just showing that they were religious. I'm going to give this money, and these people are going to say, oh, how awesome am I? I'm going to do this, and they're going to think I'm so great. See, when it's all about the show, you're not genuine. You're not genuine. And people can smell, gen, people, does not, people can smell those that are fake. I can spot somebody that's fake from a mile away. You can tell. 
You can tell fake people in your life. And if we can tell people are fake, I know, okay, God, okay, come on, God can, right? Ananias and fire were being fake, and God slayed them. Some of y'all looking around like, who's been to fall out? Ananias and Sapphira, they were fake. They weren't genuine. And, and what's crazy is, is, is that you're, not, you're hurting yourself, but you're hurting other people because they see your fakeness and they think that's what following Jesus is. Stop being fake. Because he's worthy, amen? We need to start being authentic and truly following Christ. And if you are being fake, guess what? You're not filled with the Spirit. What, what, are, you, what are you faking this morning? A lot of times we come in here and fake that we okay. Hey, I'm, I guarantee everybody I asked this morning, how you doing this morning? Everybody said, I'm good. And probably 90% of you lied because there's something going on in your life that you just didn't want to share with me. How about let's be authentic with God? That's what this altar is for. We treat this altar like it's the plague. If I go up there, people are going to think I'm jacked up. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this room is jacked up. Amen. Don't be ashamed of coming to God and casting your cares on him. So many times we, we worry that when we come to the altar, somebody's going to say, well, what'd they do? Well, let me, tell you, let me give you some, some confirmation this morning. If somebody asks that, and if that's you this morning, when, when somebody comes to the altar and you think that, you know what you need to do? You need to step out of your pew and come on up here and join them. See, the thing was, is, is they were all about themselves. They were worried about them getting the glory than God getting the glory. And when we look in that mentality, when we've got that, I want, I want to be recognized mentality, it's destructive. And it won't work. If we have this mentality of, you know, this will only work as long as I'm involved. As long as I'm a part of this thing, that's the only time this is going to work. It, it doesn't, that doesn't fly because my God's a big God, Amen. My God can do amazing things. And my God can lead this church to do amazing things. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me. But I have to be allowed for him to use me. And I'm thankful that he is using me for the moment. But let me tell you something. God tells me in the morning, Jeremy, I don't want you to preach in Connection Middle anymore. I'm going to let somebody, I want somebody else to do it. I'm going to be okay with that. Because it's not about me, it's about Jesus is life all about you this morning? Because if it's all about you, then you're going to be worried about how you're perceived. You're going to be worried about what other people think instead of stepping out and being bold for God. See, and when I look at this too, they were looking for men's approval more than they were God's approval. They, they weren't, they, 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 their whole identity was in how they're perceived, how people looking upon them, they're looking for approval of other people. And that's a very dangerous thing that'll lead you in the wrong direction. And I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be transparent with you this morning? I almost fell in that trap. Planting this church, man, seeing all these people that say they love you and care about you, and then you're standing in the line voting right behind them, and they're like, won't even speak to you. I'm like, come on now. You just, you just loved me a, month, a year ago. What's going on? Won't even speak to you. And it's like, God, what did I do wrong? What, 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 what have I done wrong? And I was very uncomfortable, and I, and, and I began to hear them gossip about me in this church, me standing two people behind them. 
And the old me was wanting to act like Chuck Norris. You know what I'm saying? I've been watching a little bit too much Walker, Texas Ranger. Y'all forgive me. Me and my little boy, we'd be killing it every night. But I mean, I'm, I'm wanting to just out, just get crazy. And in that moment, it's like God, and I, I felt the anger coming. And God said, are you worried about what they think about you? Or they were, are you worried about what they think about me? And that anger just disappeared. And I said, God, forgive me for having those feelings. Is it about you? Because if it's about you, you won't, you won't be bold. You won't step out. You won't keep your mouth shut when you're supposed to. And you won't open it when you're supposed to. So many of us don't open our mouth. So many of us are quiet. We're not led by the Spirit. We don't go pray with people because we're worried what people are going to think about us. Somebody at work struggling, we won't go there and lay our hands and say, can I pray with you? Because we're worried that they're going to think we're crazy. If you are, I mean, newsflash. If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, people in this world will think you're crazy. And that's a compliment. Amen? Amen. I thought it was an insult. Before I started preaching, I had a good friend of mine, and, and I got saved, and I was starting to follow God, and the boy said, you know what, Jeremy, you've always been weird. And I was like, I didn't think I was weird, man. Why, why are you saying that? He's like, man, you, you've always been weird. Then he clarified it. He's like, man, you've always had a good heart. You've always wanted to do the right thing. He was naming all these things, and I was like, well, thank you. Thank you. First time I thought being weird was okay. If we're worried about, about what other people think of us, guys, we will not allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. And in the world right now we live in where we think perception of others means everything, and in the world of Facebook, it doesn't matter what people think. The Word says, if God be for you, who be against you? Amen? And if we've got that mentality, we don't care what people think. We're going to pursue God. We're going to do what He wants us to do. If he wants me to jump up and down and scream, I'm going to do that because I want to please God. But if we're worried about ourselves, we're going to stand here with our hands in our pockets and be defeated and be dry because we are not stepping and doing what he's called us to do. So a lot of reasons that we're dry, isn't it God's not speaking to you, is that you're just not listening. The last thing is that they allowed Satan to deceive them. In verse 3, it says that Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you may lie to the Holy Spirit and have kept yourself, from, kept yourself some of the money you received for the land? That Satan had filled his heart. See, when we're not listening to the either you're doing one or two things. You're either listening to the Spirit of God or you're listening to Satan. And to be true to yourself, is to be true to your old nature, which is dictated by Satan. So to truly be followers of Christ, you, know, you want to obey God, you want to pursue God, you want to listen to him, not let my old self dictate who I am, right? Satan had his heart. He, he was stubborn. He wanted it his way. How many of us in this room is stubborn? Don't raise your hand. I seen somebody going for it, and I was like, hope. Oh. I might have been praising God because it was right here. <laughs> but it, they're stubborn. Satan had his heart because he was being influenced in a way contrary to God's word. If you know God's word and, God, and it's telling you, and you know you should do A, but you do B, you're being influenced by Satan. 
We all are tempted every single day, but we have a choice. We have a choice. God's word says that he won't tempt you more than you can stand because he always give you a way out. If he always gives me a way out, then guess what? I have no excuse of why I choose to sin except the reason I want to please myself. Amen? You know, amen means I agree with you, just so y'all know that. So you agree with me. Satan had his heart because they didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. So how many times have God been telling you to do something and you haven't listened? Why? Every, I want to tell you, I'll be honest with you. Every time God's told me to do something, it's because I was worried about how I'm perceived by men. I'm sitting there by my wife. I'm the preacher. I'm no different than anybody else. I'm standing there by my wife. And Mr. Eddie's playing, and the Holy Spirit says, go to the altar. I'm like, them people are going to think I'm crazy. I ain't going to the altar. He said, go to the altar. Go to the altar. And I'm like, Jeremy, you're fixing to preach on, on the Holy Spirit and about men, and you won't even go to the altar. And I went to the altar because the Holy Spirit told me to. And it seemed crazy at the moment. It might look crazy. I don't care. That's what he was telling me to do at the time. When I sat down and my knees touched the floor, the Holy Spirit just touched me, and I couldn't help but cry. You want to experience moments like that with God? Be obedient. Amen. Surrender to him. Don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about it. Because if you are truly following God, what does it matter? What does it matter? We've got to change our perspective. So many times. And, and, and to, one of the things that they did, they were influenced by Satan. Peter said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. So to lie to the Holy Spirit is, is to be true to yourself, be true to what you want to do instead of being led by God. How many of us have lied to the Holy Spirit? God, I'll do this if you'll just do that. And God does what he says, but you don't do what you say. Come on. I mean, when God's telling us to do something, we have one choice. As followers, that's to obey. And if we're not obeying God, we are being influenced by Satan. He's alive, amen? amen. He's real. He's influencing a lot of us. Not every Sunday, he's influenced a lot of you not to take that step and be, be obedient and be bold and, and say, you know what, I'm going to walk away from this sin because I love Jesus more. Instead of staying right where I am. See, a life centered on the gospel expels all this stuff because you're living for the glory of God and not for yourself. That's one thing that God's been just killing me with here lately is, is your life centered? Is your life centered? Because my life is centered on God. Everything, else, everything will revolve around him. But if my life is centered on me, everything, every decision I make will revolve around what makes Jeremy comfortable. So based on your decisions this week, what's your life centered on? Because a life not centered on God would not be spirit-led. A life not centered on God would not be spirit-filled. We read stories in the Bible of great, great miracles that happen. We read stories in the Bible of people that go and, 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 they, and they prophesy and they give, they give the, there's visions. Let me tell you, that stuff is still real. But the reason we don't encounter it that much is because God's people aren't, aren't just seeking him. We're not really desiring those things. We're okay where we are. We, we, we took a step into the kiddie pool and we're ankle deep. We're like, you know what? I'm good. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to be satisfied until I'm submersed in the presence of God. 
We need to be hungry, amen. We need to be thirsty for God. If we want to see God change our lives, we got to be thirsty, hungry for his word. There's no excuse. So we got to quit giving God excuses and start listening, amen. If we want to truly be a spirit-filled church, we got enough churches that are dead and dry. We want to be spirit-filled and led, amen? That's where you encounter God. And it's not just in this church service. If you in the pew would be serious about your relationship with God and pursue God, you would experience the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit at the workplace on Monday. You would experience them in your prayer closet on Tuesday. You would experience them everywhere you go. And if you ever would just sink down and you would hunger for him and allow him to touch your life, you will never be the same again. You can't go back. You can't stop. You, you just desire more and more and more of him. And if you don't desire more of him, then something's wrong. If you haven't encountered his presence, then something's wrong. And usually what's wrong is there's sin in our life because we're consumed on us and not him. See, the, the life centered on the gospel shows the life of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. I'm not going to have time to read all the story. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of it for you. But Stephen, there became a problem in the community at that time. And Stephen, uh, he was a godly man. There were some widows. There were people that were being overlooked. So he's like, look, you know, look. All the people that were, that were teaching the word, they were like, hey, we don't have time to go minister all these needs that we have. So they selected a group of men. This is like the first group of deacons. They, they selected this group of men to go take care of the needs in the community. And what, they didn't just go and say, you know what? Take, hey, blow on this mirror. Okay, you made a fog. You're breathing. You're you good to go. They didn't say, you know what? I, I think you're going to work out. No, they looked on here and they said, Verse 3, it says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men. This is, this is uh, chapter 6. Choose seven men among you who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So, he said, so they don't want people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Verse 5, it says that uh, after they picked them, it said, This proposal pleased the whole group. They, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. He was also full of wisdom. He was also full of faith. If you don't have that much faith, you need to ask yourself, how much of the Holy Spirit am I allowing to move in my life? Some of us need to pray a lot for a lot more wisdom. Amen? Had a guy tell me um, that I was, uh, I was not very intellectual, which made me feel like I was stupid. So from that moment, I've been praying, God, give me wisdom because these people think I'm stupid. Man, I wouldn't know times say amen. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but we need to be praying for godly wisdom, true wisdom that only comes from God. It says In verse 8, it says, Now Stephen was a man full of grace and power, performing great wonders and signs among the people. So he was full of the Holy Spirit, so he, he was also full of grace. He understood what God brought him from. He was full of power. Didn't say he was dry. Said he was full of power. It means he believed in God. He believed in the power of God. He, he performed great wonders and signs among the people. Do you desire to be used great by God? Are you okay with just coming to church? Because a man or a woman is fully filled with the Spirit of God, you are not okay where you are. You want to grow. 
You want to be closer to him. So when, when he started being bold, he started going out and, and standing up against people. It upset a lot of folks. Verse 10 says, as they begin to argue, he says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit had gave him to speak. So many of us are worried about sharing the gospel at work. How much, it's time for some of us to pray for boldness, amen? God, give me the boldness to say what I need to say for I can speak in the power of your Holy Spirit. Because when you start speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit, people shut up and start listening because they feel the presence of God. See, Stephen was a man full of faith. He was, he was, he was sold out to God. He was, his whole life was centered on the mission of God. And as, he, as they arrested him and they brought him before the whole, all the religious people, they say this, I love this part. It says, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to all of us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw what, that his face looked like the face of an angel. And then the priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? So, so they bring these false charges up. They, they start blaspheming Stephen. They start talking bad, lying on Stephen. When people start lying about your life or people start blaspheming your life, do you get angry or do you go to God? It's a lesson that God had to teach me through all this. But what I love what he did is he didn't defend himself. He didn't say yes or no. That old boy just went to preaching. He just went to telling them. He, he went all the way back to the beginning and began to tell them what God had done for the people. He went through the whole story of Abraham. He goes all the way to the, what Jesus did on the cross. He goes through all that stuff. He was a man of the word. We can't be used by the spirit of God unless we know God's word, amen? We got to be students of his word to know what he says and, does, and do what he says do. And as he, when he gets through the whole thing, he calls them a bunch of stiff-necked people. Have they been stubborn? And in verse 54, he says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, gnashing their teeth to him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him, dragged him out into the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the messengers, the witnesses, I'm sorry, laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And he fell asleep. Stephen lived a life, sold out to God all the way to the end. Amen? All the way to the end. God's word says, he who endures to the end will inherit paradise. We have to endure to the end. It ain't about a sprint. So many people, they, they make a profession of faith and it's like, oh, yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And they're running. And then about two months later, all the news wore off and they go back to their old self. It's a persistent pursuit of God. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, God's going to enable us to pursue him every single day. See, when I look at Stephen's life, 
I see such a contrast between him and the other one. Stephen had a sacrificial life. He wasn't selfish. It was about God. It was about, he was pouring himself out for the gospel. It wasn't about him. He was all in. He wasn't half-hearted. Stephen jumped all the way into the pool. He didn't have one leg on one side of the fence and one leg on the other. He was all in. Could you characterize your life as a life that's all in? Are you sold out to God? Or are you kind of straddling the fence? You want to experience the power of God just straddling the fence. A spirit-filled life is not a selfish life. It's a selfless life. I'm abandoning myself. I'm abandoning my priorities. I'm abandoning my ambition, and I'm after whatever you want, God. Does that characterize your life? See, Stephen, he knew it was not about him or his comfort because when things got uncomfortable, he kept pursuing God. A man or woman is focused and surrendered and led by the Spirit. Even when things are uncomfortable, they don't give up. They don't quit. They don't back down. They keep pursuing God. And so many of us, when things get uncomfortable, we quit because we're doing this life in our own power instead of in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when things get uncomfortable for me, I have to go, God, give me the endurance to go through this. Give me the peace to get through this. And God comes through. But are you coming to God when these uncomfortable situations hit you or are you ready to throw your hands up right at the first little bit of pushback you see the proof of the fruit of a life that's only living in the spirit is willing to do even the smallest of things it wasn't about Stephen we're called to be servants of living God amen and all of us say, yeah, well, I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of God. And we're okay with saying we're a servant until we get treated like a servant. When we don't get recognized, when we don't feel appreciated, we, we want to we get rid of that servant. I, I'm not, I don't want to serve. I'm not talking about just serving in this church. I'm talking about serving God with your life. God's called us to be servants. There's going to be times where we're going to be walked on. There's going to be times where we're not appreciated. There's going to be times where we're talked about, about, but it don't matter if you're focused on God and your life is centered on Him. A spirit-filled life is a life that does whatever it takes to get the gospel advancing. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to share the gospel with the people around you? Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? See, Stephen also, his approval was not in men, but it was in the Lord. It was one day I was just crushed by stuff that was said. And to be honest, I almost wanted to give up one day. And I was in Brandon's office and me and him were talking. And Brandon said, he said, Jeremy, is Christ enough? I was like, of course he is. What you mean? He said, well, you need to live like it. I was like, what, what you mean? He's like, well, if Christ's enough, then you won't worry about what people think because your, your worth is in what people think of you instead of what Jesus thinks of you. And that spoke so deep into me. Because when people think, say some things bad about you, when people lie about you, when people misunderstand you, you, you feel like you have to justify yourself. And you feel less... You feel like you're not doing the right thing. You feel less. 
But when Christ is enough, when you're truly pursuing him, when he is, you're the, he's the only one you worried about pleasing, and it won't matter. You can walk through those things. Let me tell you, Jesus was un- misunderstood, and if we're going to walk this life out victoriously for him, we're going to be misunderstood from time to time. People don't understand why we would surrender everything that matters to them in their life. Their life is encompassed with their, with their comfort and their vision. Same thing that our life is before we meet Jesus. And they see us give all that up to follow him, to be uncomfortable, to be talked about, to be blasphemies. Even in those days, people were killed for following Christ. And if we won't stand at work, then we won't stand when persecution comes. We won't stand if they say, look, if you proclaim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I will kill you. So many people will back away because they never really were followers of Jesus Christ. If we're spirit-filled and spirit-led, it won't matter what comes against us because Jesus Christ will always be enough. And sometimes it takes a hailstorm of comments and a life turned upside down for you to realize that he is enough. Maybe you're walking through some of that today. Maybe you're walking through that right now where where you're confused, you're being beat down. Maybe you need to go back and say, you know what, Jesus, you are enough. Help me live my life in a way that shows everybody that you are enough. Maybe you need to do that. You know, one of the things I've realized most is when, I'm, when you're truly filled with the Spirit of God, there's a freedom there. There's a peace there. And the only way you keep that peace and you keep that freedom is that you've got to constantly be walking by the Spirit. And when life hits you, you turn back to God instead of you turning back to your old self. Let me ask you a question. Do you, is your, does your life, this past week, do you, did you feel like your life was all about peace? Did you have peace this week? Or was that all about confusion and, and dismay? Maybe you need to come to him and say, God, give me the peace I need. Because a lot of times our peace is robbed from us because we're worried about everything else and he's not enough for us. A lot of times we're not led by the Spirit because we're so caught up in doing things. We think that if I can just do this and do that and I can keep my mouth clean and I can be nice to the neighbors and I can, you know, I can treat my in-laws with a little bit of respect and I can do all these things. If I can do all this stuff, I can work and be really good, then I can make it to heaven. And that's not what God's word says. Work-based faith is horrible. Because it's faith in what you can accomplish and we can't accomplish salvation without Jesus Christ. It's about pursuing God. It's about, God, I can't change my behavior. You have to. And I've told you this thousands of times, but I'm going to tell you again. I tried, to, I tried so many times to, to change and modify my behavior and I never could do it. It would work for a little while, but I'd always go back to the old me. You know what happened? I had to go to Jesus and trade in the old Jeremy and get a new improved model. He filled me with his spirit and he enables you to live this life victoriously for him. He enables you to walk away from sin, but you got to press in and be led by the spirit. So there's sin in your life that you keep struggling with. Are you bringing it to God? Are you trying to handle it on your own? A spirit-filled life is a life that is pursuing holiness. You're pursuing God. I want more of you. Is that, 
is that a characteristic of your behavior? Is that a characteristic of your soul? Do you want more of God? Or do you just want more of what you want? I'll tell you guys, one of my biggest hurts is it's just people that, that just, they say they want it, but they don't really want it. They say they want to live for God, but they don't really want to live for God. When you're living a life centered on the gospel, centered on Christ by the Spirit, nothing can stop you. A Spirit-filled life, guys, is a life focused on the mission. You're focused on pursuing God. You're focused on being the disciple. You're focused on leading other people to Christ. Your life is all about God. So is your life a Spirit-filled life? Or are you just a Sunday morning check-in Christian? Because God doesn't want fakers. He don't want posers. He wants the true, real followers of Him that fill with the Spirit, that's filled with Him. See, normal people that are Spirit-filled can do amazing things. You can do amazing things empowered by the Spirit of God. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe your family can change if you are pursuing God and, and petitioning for them in prayer? Are you, do, you, do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God can change the atmosphere at your work because you as a woman or a man of God are bold enough to be led by the Spirit and say, God, use me to reach my coworkers? Are you, are you confident God can do that? Then we've got to live it like that. We come to church and be like, yes, amen, God can do it, God can do it. And then we go to work and then we're like, our mouth just shuts up and we can't speak. We need to pray for God to give us boldness to step out. Every day, living our life centered on the gospel, doing ministry where you are. See, so many people think that in order to be an influence, I got to get into ministry to do ministry, and it's not. God's empowered you to do ministry right where you are at. Who needs your witness when you leave here? Who needs your encouragement tomorrow? Who needs your prayers Wednesday? Who needs you? Who needs a voice at your workplace? If somebody just saying, you know what? I'm here with you. I'm going to pray with you. And Jesus loves you. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. You don't have to have from Genesis to Revelations memorized to be able to tell people the changing power of Jesus Christ. If he's changed you, then you can use that to, to tell them how God can change their life. But he's got to change you first. And so many of us don't share that because he's never really changed us. Think about it this morning, guys. Stephen's life, how he was sold out to the very end, affected a man named Saul. Saul was a persecutor of Christians. He later became Paul, and God saved Paul and used him in a mighty way, and he wrote the majority of the New Testament. You never know who your obedience by your obedience, through your obedience, through your witness, you never know what that can do to change somebody else's life and how God can use them. There may be a Saul in the midst of you that you need to be constant, not worry about what they think, but you need to share the gospel boldly in front of them so they can be changed and transformed and live it out for the gospel and the glory of God. But you won't do that unless you're empowered by the Spirit. See, one thing Stephen says to those men, he says, look, Stephen says, 
to them, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Those religious people, he was condemning them by saying, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of you in this room that's been resisting the Holy Spirit. You've been resisting. You've been saying maybe later. You've not now. I don't want to change right now. I'm, or maybe your pride is in check and you think, what are these people going to think about me? It don't matter if you truly desire to know God and follow him. To lie to the Holy Spirit is to be true to you. So when you get up out of this seat and you go home and you don't do business with God, it's, good. it's almost saying, you know what? I'm okay. And you're lying to yourself and you're lying to God. All of us in this room understand that we're all jacked up and messed up. All of us in this room understand those things. And it's okay to be that way, but it ain't okay to stay that way. See, if we're wise, we'll spend our lives on the things that matter in eternity rather than the things that just feel good to me right now. Are you driven by eternity? Are you driven by your comfort? Which one? See, Rick told me a quote last week, and it's been with me all week long. He said, you know, the Christian life, there's pe people are a lot like flowers. You're either dead, you're either growing, or you're plastic, which means you're fake. And plastic flowers are the ones that think that they're good and they look beautiful and they, you give the appearance of being real, but they're really fake. And I don't care how good you paint your life out to be inside, you know that you're fake. You know it's about you. So where are you today? Ananias and Sapphira, they were fake. It was about them. They were consumed by themselves. They were consumed about what their agenda. Are you focused on Christ? Would your life say, if Jesus Christ right now could testify to your spirit and say, this man, this woman is a God-centered man and woman. They live for me. Could he say that about your life? Or would he look at you and say you're plastic? You see, Jesus says that you'll know the nature of the tree by the fruit. If it's a good tree, it'll have good fruit. If it's a bad tree, it'll have bad fruit. What's the fruit of your life showing? Is your fruit showing that you are following Christ? Do you have good fruit or is it just bad? tree can't have good and bad fruit on it. And that's the importance of this, guys. Church isn't about coming and just going to a service. It's about pursuing God. We have a service so that we can, we can come together, we can, we can focus on Him, and we can live out this life Monday through Saturday to the glory of God on mission. Amen? If we're not on mission, then we're not following God. And I'm not trying to scare you this morning to make a decision. But I want you to understand that this is not a game. This is not a game. We don't get to live 70 years and then get to the end and say, reset, let me do over because I messed up the first half. This is all you have. Either you're going to live it for you or you're going to live it for God. And you make that decision. God can make you do it, but he doesn't.
So are you going to surrender today or are you going to keep being plastic? God doesn't want you to be plastic. He wants you to be real. So today I want you to be bold. I want you to be courageous. If God's calling you to step out from that fake religion, he's calling you to step out from being fake, being plastic, and he, you really need a, you really sense that God's saying, you need a real relationship with me. You need to stop playing games. You need to surrender your life and give it to me today. If that's you today, let me see your hand. Amen. 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 If you'll be with them, the prayer team will come and get you guys. That's the thing. Is that we have to make up our mind. What in your walk needs to change? Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're saying that I'm good. You're saying that I'm following. You're saying that I'm sold out. You're saying that, that that's me. I'm all in this thing. Well, then what in your walk needs to change? So that what you say reflects how you act. What actions need to change in your life? What motives need to change? What, what, what selfish tendencies in your heart need to go out? What needs to change so that we can be the people God's called us to be? It's up to you. What's the Spirit of God telling you today? Because if you're truly filled with the Spirit, He will tell you. So what's He telling you? As the band comes up, when I start playing, when I, when I get through, when I start praying, you come to this altar, you deal with God. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'll be right here to pray with you guys. Let's don't lie to the Holy Spirit and say I'm okay when I'm really jacked up. Let's do business with God today. The ball's in your court. Father God, we come to you right now, Lord, boldly asking. God, I just pray for just your amazing hand to move. God, don't let us settle for less than what you want out of our lives. God, there's people in here, Lord, they don't even understand how awesome it is to be in your presence, God. They won't take that step of faith. They won't, they won't just step out because they're worried about things. God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you remove that spirit that's holding them back, God, and you let them come forward, Lord. Please, God, I ask you. God, we ask you to move in a powerful way. God, help us be your people so that they will know that, we, that you are our God. Lord, I just pray that you would just allow us to be submissive to your spirit. Lord, overwhelm us with your presence, God. Don't let us leave here the same. Holy Spirit, we just pray for a mighty awakening in our hearts. Reveal to us the parts where we're selfish. Reveal to us the parts where we want to remain comfortable. Reveal to us, Father, the things that we're not bold in, Lord. Help us, God, be the people known in this community of men and women that are walking by your spirit, God. Father, we ask you to pour out your anointing upon us. We ask you, Father, to pour out your power upon us. Lord, use us, Lord. But God, we ask you to prick the hearts of us, Lord, to where we're not living for you, Lord. So we will be real and we will be fake. God, change us. God, move in us. Reveal sin that we need to get rid of. Lord, there's times in our lives where we've been more worried about what people think than what you think. And God, convict us of that, Lord, so that our lives will show everyone that you are enough. 
God, please change us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.